Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my left here, I have Andrew Rogers from the Coffee and Cream Show of Heard at Sports in the Morning. Welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you doing after a 4th of July extravaganza? Kendall, it's great. I, uh... Put my phone down for seven hours one day over the weekend. Didn't look at it. Didn't even check the time. Didn't scroll through Twitter, which I probably do 40 times a day. Left it on the patio table. And I said, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm going into the lake and I'm staying in the lake. The cooler is right by the edge of the dock. All I need to do is make trips to the cooler and back and that's it. So uh, it was refreshing, to say the least. I'm glad you brought that up because one of my biggest things is I, I think whether it's an athlete, whether it's someone that really is into their job, sometimes people don't understand the mental and what we really have to do. Like, I don't want to check my phone all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on my phone all the time. But if you want to be successful at what you do, you have to put in the time. And it's hard for our significant others to find that out. So I'm pretty sure... Yours almost passed out when you put it down for seven hours and was like, wow, this is what he's really like. (laughs) He's a real person. He's a real person. (laughs) So let's go. When did you start? You played sports growing up. When did the transformation from playing to wanting to talk about it happen for you? Because I think the hardest thing is growing up is going, man, I love sports. But when is that time to switch for everybody's different, mm-hmm. but you realized it earlier at a young age, instead of putting in that time that you knew this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. So in third grade, I dressed up as Joe Buck for Halloween. Okay. And I had, a, my mom always made my Halloween costumes. We never bought a single costume. I mean, there were hand-me-downs in a box. I could choose to be Batman one year or whatever. I don't know if she got them from Goodwill or if my brother was that previously. But I I never got a Halloween costume, like, store-bought. Yeah. So one year I was a royal flush. My mom, <laughs> out of cardboard boxes, made a royal flush of cards, and that's what I witnessed or went as. Another year I was the Kool-Aid man. So, like, she made a Kool-Aid man outfit. We stuffed it with pillows and stuffing. So... When I was Joe Buck, we got a suit from I, – I think I had a suit, and I used my dad's tie. I think that's how it went. I had, my dad had a Chicago Bears sports tie. Uh, Dub Bears. Made a little – Dub Bears, <laughs> indeed. Had a little name tag, made our own Fox Sports microphone, and I went as Joe Buck that year. But I always knew I wanted to be a broadcaster at a young age. I would watch every single Cardinal game from – beginning of the season until the end, all 162 of them. I that's that's to, some dedication. I like. listened to Dan McLaughlin, who is not on the call anymore. Uh, never got to listen to Jack Buck, but even when I was on the road, it was Mike Shannon and John Rooney for the majority of my life. And then I'd watch not every hockey game, but more than half of the St. Louis Blues games. And John Kelly was a guy I looked up to as well. So I knew I wanted to call games, but your question's interesting because from a young age, I knew I wanted to broadcast games, but it was when am I going to throw in the towel on playing Yeah, was really it because I had college scholarships to go play baseball. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, ring out the rag as much as I could take the game as far as you can go before I said, okay, let's, let's call games. 
But I knew that if I went to college to play baseball, one, I would end up at a school or university that didn't have a strong broadcasting program because there aren't a lot out there. There's a there's a very small handful of good broadcasting, communications, television, um, just journalism all together, journalism programs. So because of that, it really limited my options. And when I got scholarships to play ball, I had one at Spring Hill down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Robert Morris was the first to come knocking. I didn't have a lot of NAIA, but I had some JUCOs come at me. So I could have gone the JUCO route, you know, do the straight A plus program, get my college paid for for two years and then go to another school. But I knew that I couldn't do the broadcasting I wanted to do at those programs. So instead of going to college for baseball, I actually said, let's go to school for school. And, you know, to some degree, it's one of my bigger regrets, I'd say, not giving it a try because I could have always went back and said, all right, year one, I'm not getting what I want to get out of it. Either place yourself in a spot where you'll get both or you'll just do what you want to do for the rest of your life. I say that but I wouldn't have gotten the experience I had at Lindenwood university where I went to school back in St. Charles, if I didn't go to school for four years and broadcast. But would, would you have had that opportunity of the unknown of going, man, I could take this baseball as far as it goes. Do you feel like your heart would have been in it as much if you weren't doing schooling for what you wanted to do? I'd say no, because I wasn't always the best. I was good enough but I wasn't the best to be a starter. Um, So I would have to really work up for it. I remember I had conversations with coaches at Spring Hill and they wanted me to pinch run. They said, we want to bring you on to be a pinch runner. You stole 33 or 35 in high school, your senior year. We know you can read pitchers. Well, we want you just to be a pinch runner. That doesn't sound very fun to somebody that, you know, wants to play Play the game. Yeah. 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 Part of baseball. So I decided okay, well, this isn't probably for me. So if I go to a smaller school, I'll get that playing time. But then it went into the conversation of the, well, the, the, the school, the schooling portion of it wouldn't meet my expectation. But you could have knocked out like your prereqs, right? You could, could have. You could have done and that I and tested have. the water. But at Lindenwood, here's what's interesting. They throw you in year one. Oh, So okay. I was on TV doing a halftime show for football games, all home football games, second week on campus. Like, you don't get that if you go to Mizzou, who has a great J school program. You don't go uh, to Nebraska and get that, who has a really good journalism program. No, you only got that at Lindenwood because that's the way they operated. And And the program was smaller. Yeah. So you had a lot more opportunity. I went from being a halftime host of football first semester of freshman year to being the women's color commentator for basketball. They never had a freshman do that, but I was so committed and so dialed in and I knew the sport. Cause I, I, I was a basketball official. I played the sport as well. So it was easy for me to see a lot of perspective. Seeing you're, you're even taking it to another thing, like being in the game and being a part of game makes the game come out of you differently as well because don't get me wrong i'm not saying all the commentators in the world have have had that opportunity but when you've had that opportunity to play officiate is a whole different thing because then you're on a side where you're not choosing sides 
You're calling you're what you're seeing. Yeah, you're you're not picking a side of the ref is this. You can say what you've seen and and what you might have called because a lot of times, especially nowadays, there's a lot of these call these color commentators that go. All right, let's go to Joe back at the studio about the referee call. Mm -hmm. I get it. You want to get a referee involved. I do. But if you've experienced that, then you could kind of flip it and make it a little it easier. Made my to call better. Yes. And what's hard to balance, too, is being on a Hoburn network, which is the school network. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, we we called games for the local ESPN affiliate yeah. for, the for the college. But it was just, hey, we had a radio station on campus. That's what we're going to use. It was student run. Well, you're still on a homer network, but when you're balanced, when you're balancing the, okay, you're rooting for Lindenwood, but you're also trying to like explain how the referee is thinking in those moments, or at least that point of view that you may not understand or disagree with. It provided something to a broadcast that nobody had ever gotten there before. Yeah. And when you talk about that small school environment and being able to build something, how did that not only shape to who you are today, but also help that school get to somewhere they've never been? Well, it was already there because I don't want to take credit for like starting anything at Lindenwood. I'll take credit for leaving a footprint um, because I chose that was me. Yeah. I chose to leave my own footprint there. I could have slacked off, but I didn't No, I. I for I forego hanging out with friends on the weekends, um, you know, going to parties, whatever, to go call a high school football game on Friday, to go with the Lindenwood men's basketball team on the road to Emporia State University or Fort Hayes, <laughs> Kansas. Yes. Just because that's what I loved to do. So I I missed out on things, but I knew the direction I was going. I was a grinder. I started my own radio show, the first sports radio show on that campus in 20 years because I, I was dialed in with a buddy of mine, and we did it every week. We had guests on. It was all Lindenwood focused. We left it. We left our mark on Lindenwood. People didn't carry the mark that we left, but we left ours. But even before I got there, I mean, they graduated some names. Greg Amsinger on MLB Network he was probably the biggest name to come out of Lindenwood. I mentioned Dan McLaughlin already. He was an LU grad. Randy Carricker, another grad. All three of them, grinders. Greg Amsinger went to small media market to work in news, ended up getting on the ground floor at MLB Network whenever they started up. Now he's a, a nightly studio host. Randy Carricker started at KMOX Radio. Basically, when they would like cut like clips together, it was when you attached it. Um, <laughs> like it, it wasn't like it is nowadays yeah. when you can use a computer. And same thing with McLaughlin. He slept in his car when he went to call games, like high school games. Like that's just the mentality you have to have in order to be successful in this in this career. See, and I just don't think people understand like it, it, it's more of that stuff of the unknowns, the you're, you're trying to set a footprint to where other people don't know that the effort, the time, the the unwilling time. Most people won't give that time, won't even give it a, a, a highlight. What was some of your struggles that you thought that you had to go through, whether it is the money part? People don't mm -hmm. understand. Like you, everybody thinks, oh, you're on TV or and obviously it is through Linwood, but still you're on TV or you're on this and there's all this money there. But they real they don't realize that it takes a while before you see the gold pot on the other side of the yeah. rainbow. And I still have yet to see that gold pot, believe it or <laughs> not, Kendall. Um, but no, 
so you're asking for still in yeah. college, right? Yeah. Well, Not yeah. I mean, just in general, like what are okay. some of those struggles of even a mentality to go, man, I could go do this, make this amount of money, mm -hmm. but here I am right. still doing what I love because I think the love, the passion is hard to give up when you, mm -hmm. you start out that way. Most people don't. Right. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It took me until my 30s before I started to finally get into things I loved. I had kids at a young age. I had to make sure that the money was right. Once you get the money right, then it's easier to do the things you love. Right. So that's I'll take it this direction then, because what a lot of students and, I, and I'm going to speak to students here. What they don't understand is you don't just because you're on TV, make money. In fact, you're living off of practically food stamps when you work in a small TV market somewhere where that's where you have to be on the so-called ground floor in order to rise the ranks. I grew up in St. Louis. You don't just get onto a St. Louis um, news station and become the sports anchor every night. Like, no, that guy's been doing it for 20, 25 years. And the reason he's doing it for that long is because he started somewhere else and made his way back. Yes, he's making a lot of money because they're market 23 in the Nielsen rankings, but you don't just go straight to the highest market. You have to be willing to take maybe $25,000, $30,000. I think after taxes, I made $22,000 in my first full-time job. See, and I, that's a number that like, and, and it goes right along with like even teachers, like mm -hmm. people don't understand. Like these people are going to college, paying out three, four times the amount that that first year you're right. bringing in. And you know, I was blessed. My parents helped me out a ton to the point to where I didn't have to take out loans. I only had to pay them back. So my dad put aside enough for me and my siblings so that instead of taking out federal student loans, we just paid him back. So Took we out a pop loan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, I am so blessed and I know a lot of people aren't like that. So I, I will never say like, Oh my goodness. Like I, I had it just as hard as you did. Like, no, no I was very fortunate and yes. blessed and I, and I will own that. But that doesn't mean that I didn't work for everything that I got to now pay him back. Like, it's not yeah. like I just got it for free. Um, for sure. So when I went to Sioux City to be a sports anchor, I made 22K a year. Uh, that was probably after taxes. Had a roommate, had to have a roommate. I couldn't live in an apartment on my own. I, no, I would have lost all my money. Yeah. Um, I did lose all my money. I was living <laughs> off of my, my salary. And um, so I did that after a couple of part-time jobs. And I then went to UNO. And I still, I worked in the athletic department at UNO. And this is public information, so I don't mind sharing this piece. But I made before taxes, $42,000. Now I'm working in an athletic department. So this isn't back in the news and broadcasting. Yeah. This is, hey, I'm trying to make my own role in the video department there. And I did, but I still didn't get paid probably what I needed or deserved. If you take the, it's more of like, I think that you got to really put in the hours that mm -hmm. you have to involve. Well, even in baseball. Because you're not, you're not getting paid per hour. Right. Even in baseball, I had a job to go work for the Clearwater Threshers right out of college. Okay. So this was to be the color commentator, uh, for the single a affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies in Clearwater, Florida seems fantastic. Well, right? yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want Florida live the life on the beach. If you're not yeah. out with the team, Kendall, guess how much they offered me. Uh, I'm going to guess 27, maybe 28. They offered me $10 an hour, Ooh, $10 an hour on game days. So what that meant was I only did the home games. So if there's, and I don't know how many minor league games there are, we'll just 
for this scenario, say 60 yeah. games. There's 30 home games, okay? Well, well and then you're only half. there for really like four hours. four-ish, five hours, right? So $40 don't make the pay? So then I would have to get a job at like, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings and be a server yeah. in the day and then go do that at night. Could I do that? Yes, because I'm a grinder. Did I want to do that? No. no, because I would be, I would actually hurt myself in the long run by doing something like that. Even if I got the job as the head broadcaster, they would make me become the, you know, communications and director of media for this team. And I'd still only make salary, probably $30,000 doing that job. People don't understand that working in sports at a, at a low level isn't glamorous and you have to be okay with that. You have to beat the grind. You have to get over the hump. It wasn't until I was seven years removed from college, six years removed from college that I actually started making real money. And when you, when you talk about the move up to Sioux city, what made Sioux city attracted to you? Nothing. I just needed a job. So you can't find sports jobs in the place you want to find a sports job. You have to be willing to travel to a place that just gives you the job, gives you the opportunity because the next job will then find you as long as you're killing it where you yeah, are and doing what you want to bring. And to so the table. that's what I was doing now where I had a fallout with my uh, company in Sioux city. And I mean, the big company, not like my little news station um, was during COVID. They shut everything down. They switched my role from sports to only news. And I didn't sign up for that. Now I did sign a contract though, and I I bit my own yeah. self in the rear end by doing that. But I didn't have a job at the time, and nor did I think I'd get another job during COVID. So <laughs> no. I like I was kind of they forced my hand. Yeah. So I signed it, but they they gave me their word and said we'll keep you in sports. And then that slowly deteriorated. Well, yeah, because they they got you. They, they got yeah, they got news. you into news, and so I lost my fire, which is why I went out of the broadcasting field and went to UNO just to do video because I just, my, Oh man, I took so much, uh, my mental health just was destroyed. And I, and I think when you get taken back on the mental part, who was someone you talked to? Who was someone that kind of guided you to get you through that my mental mom. part? My mom. So I was dating somebody at the time and you know, we were both in the same field. She was a news reporter up in the same area, which was wild that we ended up in the same place. That doesn't happen. Um, but she didn't really get what I was saying because she experienced something different. But my mom was like a great wall to talk to. And then she would provide advice to me. There were so many conversations I had with her. We were, I would drive. And you're hours away. It yeah. isn't like, uh -huh. yeah, you know, I'm it seven and a half away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would drive hour and 10 minutes to go cover a football game on Friday night, which is what I wanted to do. But I'm complaining about what they made me do six hours beforehand when I had to go to this student council meeting. And then I had this, um, this, so you had to do news and then, yeah. And then I'm doing all this stuff for the five o'clock show. And then they're like, okay, go live for the football games at five 30. Your, your brain's like, got to be going like this yeah, from, and, from and news, news, news. So now uh -huh. I gotta and I gotta I, make sure I know names. I gotta make sure I know what's going yeah, on. And I I hated it, man. I hate the news. I really do. I don't watch the news. To I don't this either. Day I, I can't because it just it hurts my heart 
to like know what I went through. And I can, there's no way that the people in those roles right now aren't going through the same things I went through Yeah, as news people. Now, if you love news, by all means, take advantage of it, run with it. But if you love sports and they put you in a spot that you didn't want to be in, find a new home, find a new home. So you go to UNO, you go into video. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously video, especially now, Short, quick clips, stuff like right. that. It has to be more like a what? Video. What did you bring to the video department at UNO? And what did you provide? And what mm -hmm. did you learn to get you to where you are today? So I learned to lean into my strengths. My strengths are reports, reporting, doing uh, creative videos, things that are attention grabbing but can keep somebody there for a long time. That's what I'm good at. So. Uh, a couple of examples. I wasn't the director. I was the assistant director, which was great because it allowed me to lean into my strengths. I didn't have like a set list of things that needed to be accomplished. I was assisting that set list while also doing and enhancing the video department. So I started weekly videos and did a total what's to come this week at UNO uh, in the athletic department, whether it was games, whether it was events. I did that, post it. And it started to get a lot of traction by the sports team. So I just kept doing it weekly. And then I would do some fun get-to-know-you videos with the players. I, I called one coast-to-coast. -coast. So I would take a basketball player from one hoop. No, I'm sorry. That was the hockey one. So I would I would start from one end of the ice. I'd walk to the other end. And it was just like a... Whoever you ran into is who you... Who, who you yeah. The so if I talked to Johnny Tyconic one time and he got drafted by the Senators uh, prior to that moment, I was like, what did it mean to like accomplish something so well you've been reaching for your entire life yeah. and so i would do videos like that and those videos got good traction and then i would um mc the hockey games mc the basketball games because i used to be an mc for a minor league baseball team and i love playing games with fans i love being a hype guy uh i'm just a, i'm just a loud energetic person so it's easy for me to be like all right boys like let's get going let's get this place you people, know people don't uh, realize like it's a it's a talent that like I even take pride in. Like I enjoy that atmosphere, creating mm -hmm. the atmosphere, making the atmosphere yep. just a little bit mm -hmm. higher than what it is, whether it's a live show, whether it's I mean, I DJ, I MC for a couple other so DJs. Yeah, because yeah, they don't it. want to. Not everybody wants to be to be that. Spotlight. Yeah. I don't care if I look dumb. I don't care if I well, look it's all like, on the fly. And that's exactly. what I love about it. It's not scripted. Yeah. And I am such an ad libber. I hate following a script. See, and that's what that's what I love about this. So, of course, I had a radio show before. No problems. I did I did live Facebook before it was a thing, now on the radio. I did live Facebook for one segment. Everybody was like, why do you do this? This is stupid. You don't have to do it one. I'm like, no, just watching every time. 200 views, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not big, mm -hmm. but you don't know who those 200 views are that might catch on to something. They may not even follow And you. now look at it. Every show wants to be live. Every Whether it's on AM radio, FM radio, every show wants you to see who that they coffee are. Coffee and cream is on it, for three hours live. Exactly. And that's what I love about it. I was, I've been to some of your live shows. Obviously, Heard at Sports has came across. What attracted you to Heard at Sports? So Heard at Sports wasn't a thing when I first got here. It was an idea. So when I was brought in by our, our big boss, Bill, he had this grand vision of what he wanted the sports department to be. And he wanted to form it around myself, Anna Bellinghausen, Sasha Durkin. 
Like that's who the three people in the room were from the very beginning. Sasha came with a lot of knowledge from a production standpoint. She also had worked with a lot of radio shows in the past, so she knew that big piece That was of her it, strength. Right? Anna kind of won the area just by living here, going to school here, excelling at UNO and and starting just something for the future for them with, you know, Mav Radio with, um, I can't remember the TV show that they worked on, but they were just constantly involved. And she was involved with the sports commission too here. She was very community oriented. So she had a big presence here. And on top of that, she was a female. You don't get a lot of really good females out of college like Anna. You don't. They're they're pretty raw, and you have to work them into get get them in the mix, right. get them the feelings. Anna was there, like she had already gotten there. And then for me, I just had kind of a lot of experience outside of the area, but I was just a sports mind, and I brought energy. And Bill was attracted to my energy that I uh, brought in my MC role for Omaha hockey because he had season tickets. So. He knew that when he wanted to start. So a what you're show, saying is if you always show the best version of yourself, good you never come. know who's mm -hmm. listening. I try come. telling people like they're like when you're DJing because I, I really since COVID picked up sports DJing, you come to a Papillion La Vista South game. It's like Lincoln, like the vibe is just there. But people don't understand. Like I'm constantly trying to set a mood, set an atmosphere like volleyball. They go, what? Why is it sometimes we hear songs that we're like, what are you playing? And I go, oh, because our team was not doing good. Coach calls a timeout. I want the background noise to be noise for them, not something they want to get hyped to. But right before they come out, you notice it starts going woom and pick them up and they're starting to get pumped right. up. You got to know the moment. You got to know the atmosphere. You got to know your crowd. And, and people think that you're just hitting play or you're just like, no, I'm playing with their emotions more than anything else there, in the right way. There was a quote that I have on my, my website, uh, my uh, what's it called? My real, like, yeah, just my professional website. There's a quote on the front page and it's Jack Buck. He's one of the broadcasters I looked up to gr growing up in St. Louis. It's those things turn out best for those that make the most of how things turn out. So I kind of took that with me every stop I went because no matter what, kind of like what you said was, if I didn't put effort into that MC job, do you think I would have gotten a DM on Twitter from Bill to no. have a meeting? No. He would have been like, ah, oh, all right, well, this guy's like, you know, the entertainer here. He's not thinking, I want this guy. Yeah. Or let, let me see if we can work something out, work something out with this guy. He didn't know if I was a freelancer. He didn't know if I was hired on with the university. He didn't know anything. He just yeah, reached out. He just reached out. But that wouldn't have turned out the way that it did here if it weren't for me making the most of how the thing turned out of me leaving broadcasting to go to UNO to then get back into broadcasting, which is kind of wild. So you had mentioned like hurt at sports, how that yeah. thing started. So we, as a, as a three, we're like the three musketeers and we had grace who was great. Grace is one of our videographers here at hurt at two, who wasn't even a, a sports, um, not junkie, but like she, her, she role, her role wasn't to work with sports. Okay, it's kind I got of what, you. I, what I mean by that. And but she always helped out because we needed the hands. We did the college world series, just us three. Okay. It was myself and Grace in FanFest and Sasha and Anna inside the stadium doing interviews with the players. Nobody knew who Hurt at Sports was. No 
nobody. And we were just out there doing our thing because we didn't care. No. Like, what, you're, what, are, you gonna, what are you going to tell me that yeah. I can't do an interview with you? If you say yes, here we go. Let's yes. Just, let's ride. We got credentialed. We're, we're, we're doing our thing. We're making uh, connections outside of the stadium. We're making a ton of connections inside the stadium. We did a podcast. It was the first heard at sports podcast. It was bat flips and party tips. We ran that every single, I think it was two or three times a week during the college world series. And then we did the pinnacle bank championship. Same thing podcast for the whole weekend. Also doing interviews with the golfers. And then we just sprinkled in some more podcasts and we started grabbing more personalities. Damon Benning came over to start working for her at. Now it's getting bigger. Mike Sauter comes over. It's getting bigger. And now we have Avery Howard getting bigger. And now we have a bunch of other interns getting even bigger. Our team's like 15. I don't know half the people downstairs. <laughs> you I'm went like, for the what? three musketeers. To... I know. In a year. In a and year. That's what's crazy. So I told them this year, I said, last year we can make mistakes. Like, if things don't go perfect, that's okay. Like we're we're establishing something. Yeah. This year, a year in, most people couldn't say this, but we had to be perfect. You, you, we couldn't make mistakes because people knew us now. Yeah, they know the name, they know the brand, and, and of course, it's still growing. And when you think of building a brand from something that was just an idea, how does that change the passion? Oh, I. I don't know if the passion changes at all. I want it to be even better. So like, yes, when you start something from the very beginning, it's fulfilling to see where it is now, but we're just getting started. And I think that's probably the scary part is people don't understand. I mean, I had my first live show. I'm greatly blessed to yeah, be on the Jordy ball interview was sick, dude. It, it, and the people that came out for it, the, <laughs> the community impact that she brings just because she's she Jordy is ball, who she is, but that's the Jordy Ball, the athlete. Then when you get to know Jordy Ball, the person, she'll win your heart. And, and that's that was the whole point. Like, people are like, oh, you just want a big... No, I want to show that she is beyond the game. She is she is here for, the, for who she is, the people around her. Tell me one person that hates Jordy Ball. Just tell me one person. Uh, well, someone that wrote on, on a Twitter feed that I posted that said traitor, but not spelled T-R-A-I-T-O-R, but trader. Oh, so like a literal <laughs> trader. Like a literal trader. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of hard to think of someone being a trader when she gave you everything she had. She won you two national titles. Yes. You guys lost one game this year. Yes. And she only made the move for herself. Yes. She could have ended at, she could have stayed at Oklahoma, won four national championships, went down in the history books as the best pitcher to ever come across the college game for a long period of time. Yes. But instead, she's making life even harder on Jordy Ball, the athlete, by coming back to Nebraska and trying to replicate what she did at Oklahoma. And, and have to know that the teammates that you have are different than the ones that you have at Oklahoma. You have to find how you can impact those teammates. Oh, but then don't wait. I can say this now. She came back. Someone wanted a one-on-one uh, -on -one for their birthday. So one of my guys got it done with Jordy Ball. Told her, I'll pay you what I pay any trainer for basketball. He's a basketball trainer. So he, he went outside mm -hmm. his realm. Jordy ghosted him after she did the workout. You know why? Because money don't matter to her. 
And he was like, I'm taken back, but I'm not. He's like, this is who she is. Like, everybody thinks that, oh, the NIL, the NIL. But they don't understand. That's not what her family raises her on. That's not her mentality. And that right there, I wish I would have had for the show. Because that's what he said. He's like, man, I wish I would have told you knowing this now. But he's like, she ghosted me. But I don't, like, not in a bad way. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of you're trying to pay her and she yep. she'll decide when she wants she that. She stood by her morals and principles. Yeah. And she made the world for these. And obviously she's going from softball place to softball place. She's making a name. When you look at all the people that you get to interview and you try to pull out beyond the field, what is what is some of the strongest things that you love to hear from these people that makes it more real? Because my interviews, you know, everybody's like, you got to have all these questions, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think if I went that route where it's so yeah. dictated, I don't think I could get you interested. Like, I, I had my wife listen. She doesn't listen to all of them, and it's okay. We listened to one on a car ride, and I go, what'd you think? She goes, I want to see that girl play. Doesn't know her. Doesn't know anything about her, but she goes, I want to see that girl play. Right. Because you bring out more of their personality. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how you do an interview in a really good interview. It's not, it's not your basic grilled cheese, right? Yeah. You're not just saying, um, say I'm doing an interview one-on-one with with Jordy Ball after the game. She pitched 12, like, you know, 12 strikeouts. Yes. Her, her ERA was below one for the game. And uh, you know what? Screw it. She pitched a perfect game. That's we're just gonna say Jordy Ball pitched a perfect game. I'm not going to say like, what are you thinking about right now? Well, what do you think I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about how awesome this was, right? <laughs> that was sweet. Well, her answer is after the College World Series. You cannot, like, I haven't seen right. it in well, the she video. she would say, like, credit to my teammates yeah, for, yeah. you know, standing behind me. But if if you know the person, if you know that personality, even if you don't, but you can, like, pry a little bit, like, really dig into them and say, like, Jordy, you're not one to brag. But in this moment, what impact do you think an outing like this has on the rest of your team like that is a deeper way to ask yes. the question of hey you just rocked this can i cuss on this yeah you I don't just rocked this it's shit right? <laughs> right yeah yeah so it's, there's a different way to say it so i was doing an interview with robbie it's robbie shelton it's robbie shelton the the guy that won the PGA championship last year. And I'm asking a few people about different ways that they like to interview because I know I'm not 100% the best Correct. interviewer out there, Correct. but I, I'll, I'll get pointers from yes. tons of people and then, you know, use those questions to help further. Yes. My well, one question I got was he's like, I really like to ask him like a childhood question. Like what would, you know, 10 year old self be feeling right now? Like, wow, what a really good question. What type of answer would that solicit? Who knows? So at the very end of the interview, I'm like, all right, Robbie, take yourself back to a little league age. What would 10-year-old Robbie Shelton be thinking right now? That's a great way to say like, yeah. hey, how far you've come as an athlete. Yes. And he, he goes, I play baseball. I play golf. And then he just breaks down into tears. Yes. Just breaks like down in tears. And he's like... <laughs> I question never hit me like this before. And as he's talking about himself at a young age, you can see the struggles he had to overcome to get back to this moment, to get his PGA card and to get back on the tour. And I, I think everybody just sees the good on social media. You see all the good. But when you, you know 
of athletes' mental side that people just don't understand. Coming back from a torn ACL, come like they don't understand when you go mm-hmm. from I am up here, I'm the top athlete, and then all of a sudden I get this injury. And now no one even wants to talk about That's why me, I think Gabe Irvin is going to be awesome this year for Nebraska because he, as a freshman, experienced the highs and lows of everything. He experienced being a true freshman and a starter for the team when he first arrived to getting hurt three weeks in. I, I can't remember exact three, four weeks in tearing his ACL. Now he's got to come back from everything. He's got to put the work in. Oh, well, first he's got to do surgery. Then he's got to do PT. Then he's got to get his leg and body stronger. Now you got to get back in normal. While health. coach is still recruiting other people. Right. You have to go to practice still. You have to be a team leader. You have to do everything. He learned what it was to be the off the field leader to turn that now into just being that on and off the field. It kind of merging both worlds together. Yeah. Before that, when he got to campus, he didn't have to do that. And now maybe he did because I don't know the the real yeah. the the person he is, um, and, and I'm still learning a lot of about a lot of these guys. But if I can make an assumption, if I was a true freshman coming in, I'm the guy, right? Yeah, I'm feeling I'm the good. Rock. Yeah. I, I know my leadership skills have led uh, led me to this moment. My talent has led me to this moment. But if I have to overcome injury and and mentally overcome those things. And I do that, and now I'm being looked at again as the guy, the guy coming out of the room. Talk about how much stronger I am now. Yeah, and, and the way that you can impact a room and make them know that how important it is to not struggle alone. I, I think the struggle alone. He is, understands it, and he was a part of the community the whole time. Yeah, he was doing events for the community yes. while he was recovering. Yeah, like some people would just kind of like. Oh, sit back and just mope. You know, not only just mope, but like you know, sit in their tears yeah. and be like, "Why me? Why?" Me? He never questioned why me. Instead, he sat up in his chair and he said, "I'm going to beat this, and I'm going to come back even stronger than I am." If Gabe Ir- if Gabe Irvin goes off this year, mark it down. We'll post this clip and we'll say, <laughs> "Yeah," because and and I want every athlete to see it. And I want them to know the Gabe Irvin story. And I'll I'll go out and do a one-on-one with Gabe Irvin when he runs for over a thousand yards this year and seven touchdowns and leads Nebraska to a bowl game. I look, I, we'll do it. We'll do the interview, and I'll <laughs> ask him the whole story because the, his story I can only imagine. And I'm assuming. Look, and I'm spec. I don't normally speculate, but I'm going to speculate in this moment. His story is something that could probably be put into a book. See, and that's why I love the interviews that I do. One of my favorite before I got to hurt at last year. So I lost the show. Whatever happened, happened, right? Took a year off, but it was mentally a year. Like it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it because I'm not that guy. I'm well, you didn't let want it. anybody else to pick no, up your pity. No, no. So I get the offer to do recording at Wired Training Center by Brian Southworth. I have a connection. Get JoJo Doman in. To me, that interview there brings out exactly what you did. Jojo Doman not only had three defensive coordinators he had to prove wrong every time, but then the two torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Like, no one understands, but he explained a pit crew that you wouldn't know. Going to a physical therapist all the way in Bellevue from Lincoln, not only for the physical therapy, but it's someone that played in college, and he was able to talk through the mental stuff because his home's Colorado. It's not that far, but it's still far. And it's the same thing with Gabe Irvin of getting that of, okay, so you went through this, but who's the who's the group around you? 
Because obviously your decision when you got in the lowest of the low of the broadcasting could have taken you out of this mm -hmm. completely. The money ain't right. Money was <laughs> the atmosphere right. wasn't right. The want the drive turns around because, like you said, it's not what you want to do. At some point, all of these other things weigh on. Yes, the, the the final decision and the and I always say, if you don't want to do it, I'd much rather you not do it than just do it despite. Mm -hmm. despite. Don't, don't go through the motions. No, because it just isn't worth the time. It isn't worth the even the story from the person. Because you can tell everything in a facial. You could tell, you could tell in the voice. You can tell, you know, I like on my last day on the AM radio, I never changed one bit. No matter what was asked of me. It wasn't somber. It, no. Nope. I even got asked, do you want to lead this last day? No, why would I want to do that and make it different? Well, it's your last day. That that don't matter. This has never been about me. Like, yeah. and so I've been grateful for this opportunity. And, and where you guys are going, I mean, I hope that there's all other opportunities. That's my goal because I'm obviously, like you said, when you start seeing traction on the consistency that you're building, I mean, you know, yes, Jordy Ball is amazing. And that was a I'm blessed for that interview. Mm -hmm. But then it gets people to look at the other stories of these athletes where you don't need to know the name. You can find a connection different ways. And, and I always refer people to one of my favorite is a Kiki Hadley. No one will know the name unless you've done powerlifting. If you've never done powerlifting, I've never done powerlifting. If it wasn't for my daughter, at an average school, this girl is the number one talked about in a bad way because of the looks, the size, the color, everything. They are just against the world as teens. They are just evil people when it comes to that stuff. But you get her in front of the 400 and some odd people at a powerlifting thing. She is the queen. She is the one everybody eyes on. They want her to succeed. And that energy just can't be built. Like, that is what, like, don't get me wrong. I love football. I love all these, these team sports. But when you see individuals being able mm -hmm. to be individuals and get out of their comfort zone to be a, a, a queen, as I would say in this case, where you get on that mat and you're lifting 450 pounds and everybody's just watching it in amazement it's it's those stories that really trap the heart of going man there's stuff beyond the regular field or the stuff that everybody knows or people that don't have social media and you're sharing their story because they don't have all the clips they don't have all the stuff but they still have a journey that someone might be able to find one little thing from that journey to get them over that hump when you're going through all this process and you got onto herd at sports, what was the biggest picture that you saw in the future and how close are you guys to it? Well, we, I think we hit or we, or we um, like painted the entire picture that we wanted to hit right away. Um, we had a vision. We ran with the idea and we executed, we executed to the fullest, but now it, like if you're an artist, like if you're a well-known artist, you don't just stop after one painting. No. Like you do it again and then you do something even bigger. Like who was it? Did Michelangelo paint the Sistine Chapel? Cam, thank you. Yep. I got the thumbs up. <laughs> I, he's smarter than I am. Uh, he didn't just do that overnight. Like nobody asked him to paint the Sistine Chapel right away. Yeah. He had to start somewhere. So you do one painting, you do another, you do another, and the bigger and bigger and bigger you go. That's kind of where Herd at Sports is now. Like the first painting's done. 
Now we're on our second painting. And year after year, we're going to paint something new, something bigger, something brighter, something bolder, something that gets placed in the center of the biggest town out there, or at least in the town of Omaha. Like that's, I talked about leaving a footprint. Heard at sports is like our foot's still in the sand. Like we haven't lifted it yet. And we won't lift it until we get to where we can really make an impact on the community, on the people, uh, on just everything here in this area and beyond. Like we have greater visions than just here in the state. Well, of I can tell you, seeing people at the NFL draft, seeing people at the basketball, yep, like March Madness, that, that to me hit home of where the, you guys are looking. The visions right now are to imagine if you franchised a restaurant. Like, well, you don't just franchise in Omaha. No, like, no, you go to other places like McDonald's. I watched the founder over the weekend. They went from San Bernardino to a bunch of places in Illinois to a bunch of places in Minnesota to a bunch of places in then Pennsylvania and across the country. And that's how McDonald's really became who they are, the empire yeah. that they are in the fast food industry. I'm not saying her at sports is looking to relocate as quick as McDonald's, <laughs> uh, but there is desire to do what we do here other places. Well, I mean, your home is St. Louis. You never know. I mean, it's still in the Midwest. It's a that, would high be a, possibility. that would be a dream, man. That would be a dream. Well, do you see... The biggest thing that I like about your guys' show, Coffee and Cream, is people would go... Oh, the irony behind the title? Well, exactly. But <laughs> what I like is you guys know the moments you have to be the coffee for each other. And you know the moments you have to be the cream. You're using your strengths instead of trying to overpower who is what. Mm -hmm. That's what I like it. I like it smooth transition, obviously, with a lot of laughter. You're able to enjoy. Yeah, enjoy the fact that it's just a conversation. Yeah, stats are cool. Stats are great. But if you can't enjoy that laughter in the moment with someone or or even calling each other out on, on right. different things, you can't grow to be who you are today. Coffee and cream obviously is three hours. What's the what's the whole goal for coffee and cream, and what are you guys looking to finish on? I I, I think we're just, not only are we just trying to take over the market, like uh, we want to be the number one morning sh morning show in the market. Uh, the big goal is just to kind of leave people thinking every single day. Like, have your opinion. Don't just like use what we say to mold your opinion, have your opinion, but also like it, we want to be able to, to every single day, leave you with something new. So like today we talked about discipline. Like we talk about coach rule and parenting and family and, and the dynamic that yeah. Nebraska football every day. Right. But it's always something different. Like my mom and I had a conversation over the weekend about discipline of just kids in, in households and parenting and things like that. And how, I then tied it back to, well, I, like a lot of that is what Coach Rule's doing, and that's how he hopes to lead to a successful first year is by parenting these kids and keeping them disciplined, and hopefully that will turn into success. Yes. It's kind of like, I mean, you were you said you were a parent at a young age. Um, I'm not going to be nosy and, and uh, really get into your life, but I'm sure you had to grow up at a, at a very early stage in life. And then you probably didn't really know how to parent because no. you, you'd never done it before. And like that, those are conversations that it's, it's great for DB and I to have because I come at it with a lot of innocence, with a lot of <laughs> not really knowing because yeah. I am not a parent. And he's parented 
four kids four kids, four kids. Yeah. so like he knows and the age range goes from top to yeah. bottom he knows and what two different like generations parent. and he's a football coach yeah so he don't not only parents his household he parents 80 to 100 other kids every single fall and beyond people don't understand that part of it and i say it as i said i'm trying for upper management cool if i get it i get it but i treat that the same way as when I did coach football for the 10 years and when I did coach anything else just as my kids. Mm -hmm. No matter the age, these people are like your kids. If you treat them that way to understand the discipline, the dedication, the actual accountability, I think that's the number that's one word, one. accountability. And you get them to understand the pride mm -hmm. and, and behind it instead of I'm telling you to tell you, I'm telling you so you understand the whys we we don't take it for granted but we're very blessed to where our kids can go out in public they're obviously older now but all the way through it was always great to hear man your kids act right and and that and That's if, the if there's a mark compliment, compliment a parent could get if you can leave that mark on your own kids you know you can leave it on mm -hmm. others when you as you're growing up and you're learning this process of a of the fatherhood part how do you let that mold your thoughts even with dealing with employees or with stuff like that have you kind of taken that i i don't know if i've taken that inventory just yet yeah but i will say that i can't wait to be a father and i can't wait to use what i learned growing up as a baseline for how I want a parent because there were there were tons of things when I was going through high school that I disagreed with with my parents yet they always had my best in interests at heart but I didn't see that because I'm a I'm a dumb teenager just trying to get away with you know whatever teenagers are getting away with nowadays um thanks cam uh, <laughs> but yeah it, it's just I I want to be able to I'm a lifelong learner, so I want to be able to look into somebody like you and get to know how you parent. I, I already have my parents as like the, the, the hierarchy, yes, right? Yes. The, they're at the top of the chain. But then I look at like my, my soon-to-be mother-in-law. I look at DB, who I'm surrounded with every day. I look at my siblings, who are now parents. I, I look at just a lot of people, and I'm like, okay, I like how you do that. Okay, I like how you do that. Now I'm going to try to incorporate a lot of things that I've learned into the way that like to the Rogers household that will be, but, but not only like take everybody else's thoughts and make it mine, but I'm going to use a lot of baselines in order to discover what I want mine to look like. Yeah. Well, I greatly appreciate you coming on the no, show. Thank you. I tell you one of the craziest things was going down to Dallas and I'm at this random graduate. It's not random graduation, but it, I would consider it that right. I'm all the way in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. And these and, and, the, and the mom goes of the graduate goes, he's on the radio back home. And I'm like, I'm not on the radio anymore. I just do a podcast. And they're like, this couple was like, yeah, where? And I go on her dad. They go, do you know Andrew Rogers? <laughs> and I go, you mean the guy who's always smiling just like you guys right now? And they're like, he's a great, great neighbor. And they're like, oh, they're like, man, wait until we go back and we get to tell him. First thing they said to me when I pulled into the driveway. <laughs> You'll never believe who we met, Andrew. We met Kendall. You work with Kendall. I'm like, Kendall? Weird. Weird. Who the? 
Kendall, who's that? Well, so, but this was like, before I'm like, okay, Kendall, like I'm thinking immediate workers. Like yeah, I work yeah. with DB and Shane. Exactly. Day. Like those are yeah. the people. Those I are work the people. With. And then Sasha. And then it like branches off to Anna and Avery and Cam and some other people. I'm like, Kendall, like, yeah, oh, a podcaster. Um, uh, uh, he looks like a football lineman. And I'm like, oh, I know what he, I know, I know Kendall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, I'm like, you know what's funny about like, oh, you you say like, oh, I know. Or like when they say, oh, Andrew, you know him. It's like they don't realize how big Hernat's actually gotten yeah. since I first started there. They think it's just coffee and cream and that's really it. And so by explaining then, hey, Kendall's on a podcast along with like 27 other <laughs> yes, podcasts. Yes. Um, it's crazy, though, that they ran into you down there. I mean, small world. Really People have no idea, world. and the connection that you made with them proves where her dad is today, where they're going. Like you said, they know that you are the guy. Um, we're going to make sure the people matter before we matter. Exactly. Like, the, the content that we do, the people that we talk to, um, those are like great but it's the impact that we leave on those listening to us, to those people that we talk to, to the events that we cover. That matters more to us than the likes. Or the getting the shares, recognized. Yes. The recognition. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you said that because if there's one thing about that Kiki Hadley, I shared it with one of my fellow high school friends. We're in our 40s. We're not young. But she goes, Kendall. And she has similar statue. She goes, I wish this was an option when I was in school. Someone always wanted me to move the piano or this or that, but not once did I get offered to move the weight. And she's not a big sports person. That's what I love about all this. Like, you don't have to love sports to listen to a conversation mm -hmm. that might be a little more informing of, like you said, a th third grader knowing that I've went through all these different costumes. We've all done it, but the one costume to stuck land out, on land out on a suit. Well, once again, this is a Herd App production of Wired Podcast. I greatly appreciate Andrew Rogers from the morning show Coffee and Cream, and we'll see you next time. A Herd App Sports Network production.